grab your blue hymnals and turn to page 17.
forgot your name. Um, I'm sorry, I'm very nervous. Um, thank you for coming, Brother Mark. Um, if you would, come up and pray before you. Well, it's good to be here tonight. Appreciate the, your pastor inviting me, and uh, I'm not sure where I set this water. I'll sit right there. Okay. Appreciate young men stepping up to take the place. Amen. And, uh, and don't worry about not remembering my name. I'm not sure either at times, but uh, as long as it's decent, I'll answer to it. So appreciate that. Amen. Well, I told your, your pastor when he invited me, I said, you're not going anything in any place really neat this time that I'll miss, like Colorado again, are you? And I, he said, no, so he told me what he was doing. But uh, I told him last time, I said, next time you go to Colorado, I'll be with you. I won't be able to preach for you. So anyway, that's just fair. I applied for another fellow that uh, went fishing in Alaska. Another man went pronghorn horning in northern New Mexico. So I'm on the wrong side of this pulpit supply thing. <laughs> I need to tag along with these guys and go with them. And so looking forward to that not happening. <laughs> Amen. I remember last time I was here on a Sunday morning, I was trying to read the clock back there and honor it, but there was a glare on it from the lights, and I couldn't see it very well at all, so I was just kind of guessing at time. By the time I got through, I looked down, I found this big clock on the pulpit. <laughs> and so forgive me, I'm from Texas. I'm a little, it takes me a while to catch up on things. And so uh, at any rate... Well, I invite your attention tonight to the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Old Testament book of Habakkuk, if you would turn your Bibles there, please. You'll find the last book of the Bible, Malachi, and come forward about four or five books, and you'll find Habakkuk, one of the minor prophets, not minor in value, but minor in volume of content of the letter. And so Habakkuk, I want to look at this tonight. Habakkuk, chapter number one, amen, Habakkuk chapter number one. And if it's your custom, if you would please stand with me and honor the reading of the scripture. We'll look at the first four verses tonight and I go from there. Amen. Habakkuk chapter number one. He says, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear, even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save? Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance, for spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth go and never go forth, for the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. I preached tonight for a few minutes on the subject silence is not indifference. Silence is not indifference. Sometimes we don't hear from God, we don't see God working, and we think that he's silent. And sometimes he is silent in his action, but it does not mean he's indifferent to what's going on. He does care. So I want to preach on that tonight. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into the scripture. Father, thank you for tonight and the folks that have purposed to come out. Thank you especially for the young people that have purposed to be here. And that's the future of this church and the future of families and of this nation. God, I pray tonight we might see the burden that Habakkuk saw. It might weigh on us, so we might turn to thee for an answer. Father, please, may that will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated. Silence is not indifference. 
Why does God, Almighty God, who's creator of heaven and earth, why does he seemingly permit injustice? Why does he allow injustice to continue, not only in our land, but in history past, like in this case, in, in the nation of Israel? Israel has sinned against God, and uh, Habakkuk is burdened by the sins of Israel. And yet God's justice is not being brought forth against the nation of Israel. Why is it sometimes that the righteous suffer and the guilty prosper? We look around in our lives and we see the guilty, we see the lost, we see the unrighteous prospering and doing well in health and all other areas. And yet it seems like the righteous, uh, uh, if you will, those that are saved, the Christians sometimes suffer and the, and the ungodly are doing quite well. Why is it that Psalm chapter number 2, verses 4 through 1 read, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? It says that the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Just because God is silent sometimes in his deliverance or his execution of judgment, and he is a just God, and he is just in his justice, he's equitable in his justice. But there's times when we think, why doesn't God just take care of this people group or take care of the situation? It seems like he's silent, and it seems like he's indifferent, but he's not indifferent. I like to say dogmatically in a way of introduction tonight, that God's not working on my timetable, and he's not working on yours. He's working on his timetable. And when he does come through, we will know it. God's still in control. The earth, heaven is still his throne, and the earth is his footstool. The earth is the Lord's and all they that dwell therein. And so the Lord is still in control. He is sovereign. He is ruling and reigning from on high. And sometimes while we have that biblical knowledge, we have that biblical doctrine, we have that biblical belief, we look at it in our lives and maybe in the life of our children or our churches or our nation, and we say, where's God? Where is he in all of this? We look at things around us and we, we see this taking place. This happened in the nation of Israel from time to time. If you study the Old Testament, remember, God would get, uh, Israel would get wrong with God and they'd start to backslide on God and evil and sin would enter into the nation of Israel. She would begin to forget her God. And then God would bring a prophet along to preach to them repentance and oftentimes she would repent of her, of her, of her going astray and would be renewed and restored unto God and things would go well for a while. And then here she'd go again. After a while, this is why God said he was weary with repentance. You know, God sometimes gets weary with our repentance. We sin against the Lord, and, he, and then he brings us under conviction through the Holy Spirit, the teaching or preaching of the, of the reading of his word. We repent of our sins, and we get right with God again, get close to him again, and everything's going great, and then we sin again, and uh, we come to him in repentance. Uh, sometimes... As with Israel, I think God gets weary with our repentance. So if we just do right and not have to get in that position, boy, wouldn't that a blessing that would be. <laughs> the burden, it says, which Habakkuk the prophet did see. As you look at the Old Testament prophets, who were also called seers, S-E-E-R. It means he could see into the future. They were prophetic in that sense. So this prophet Habakkuk did see. He could see into the future. He knew the, the, the way that God's judgment was coming down, he knew that it was going to take place, but he was wondering when. How long, O Lord, how long? And so he cries out in verse 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry? And thou wilt not hear. 
even cry out unto thee of violence, and that will not save. So he's crying out to the Lord, and it's like the Lord doesn't hear him. He cries out to the Lord, and he doesn't see the Lord uh, saving the nation. He cries out to the Lord about the violence that's taking place in his nation. He doesn't see God moving in a judgmental way to bring things to, back in line. So, Lord, Lord, how long? I don't know if you've ever had that prayer. <laughs> oh, Lord, how long am I going to go through this? How much longer can this sustain? How much longer does our family have to go through this? Or how much longer are things going to go on this way in our nation? How many more babies have to be murdered through, through, through abortion? How many more families have to be broken up by divorce? How many more... How much more violence has to take place in our big cities? Lord, how long? How long is this going to take place? Do you not see the violence? Are you not going to save this nation? Are you not going to save our, our churches? Sometimes we look at our churches, our New Testament churches, and we, we see them coming apart at the seams, if you will. And if not coming apart, we don't see them growing like they should. We don't see the, 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 the zeal that they had at one time. And so we cry out, Lord, how long can our churches sustain themselves in this condition? Or maybe even our own lives. We say, Lord, how long can, can, can it go on like this? Why is this taking place? We become impatient with the Lord. That's not a wise thing to do. <laughs> so we cry out, Lord, how long? So Habakkuk has a burden. And he saw the condition of the people. He knew he could see into the future and see what God's judgment was going to do. In fact, down in the, further in the book of Habakkuk, the Lord tells him what he's going to do. And he tells him this. He's going to use a wicked, evil nation, the Chaldeans, to bring up to part of Babylonia. They're going to take the Chaldeans and use them as judgment against God's people. Why does God do that? Amen. Lamentations tells us very clearly in chapter 3, verse 51, quote, mine eye hath affected mine heart. We look around at conditions and say, man, it affects our heart. We look at somebody going astray and just, it just burns your heart. It just tears your heart out, if you will. We look at conditions, again, in churches sometimes. Right? It just puts a burden on you, a weight up on you that's hard to bear. We look at our nation tonight. We, we see things happening. What, what a burden it places upon the righteous that, that no, it, it doesn't need to be this way. And so Habakkuk has this great burden that's been laid upon him, and it's, and it's weighing on his heart. And it's got to be a burden upon the Lord's heart, too. And so I think that God sometimes shares his burden with us. So we can understand how he works and share his burden with us so we can be part of the victory that we might have in him. So as this prophet, as this seer, he does see the judgment coming. In fact, in verse 3, he says, Why dost thou show me iniquity? Why are you showing me all this? And cause me to behold grievance. Why do I have to see the iniquity? Why do I have to see all these grievances? For the spoiling and the violence are before me. And there are there that raise up strife and contention. So the Lord is showing him iniquity. Grievances, spoiling, violence, strife, contention, all these things rising up within the nation of Israel. And Habakkuk is being shown this by the Lord, and it's a burden to him. He's a burden bearer. It's weighing on him heavily. And because of that, not only that, in addition to that, he says in verse 4, Therefore the law is slacked, and the judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Not only does he say, I see all this wrong that's going on in my nation Israel. I don't see the law take, stepping in and taking over. In fact, the law is slack. You ever seen the law slack? Amen. And the law is slack. Where's justice? How come one person gets this sentence for doing this big crime and somebody else gets a huge sentence for doing a smaller crime? Where's the justice, if you will, oftentimes? 
And he says, where's the law? It seems like the law is slack. They're disregarding the law of God. So he's going through this. And so it appears to him that God is an inactive participant, spectator from the stands, watching what's going on. It looks as though God's being indifferent and God's not going to do anything about it. And it's eating Habakkuk up. It's eating him alive. Ever happened to you in your life? You look at condition and say, man, when's God going to move in and do something? Or you look at an individual and say, when are they going to get it? When, is going, when, when are they going to, going to see the weight of this thing? And sometimes God's silence, though, what appears to be silence, it may be, even be silence for a season. Don't misinterpret that as God being indifferent. He's not indifferent. He does care. He does care. David said in Psalms in one place, no man cared for my soul. That's just not true. But David was running from the Lord and running from uh, his son Absalom. And yet uh, he didn't seem like anybody cared. I know we get that point sometimes. Does, does anybody care? Does the Lord care? Well, the Lord's not indifferent. And we shouldn't be indifferent either. And so while this seems to be difficult at times and puts a burden on us, always understand that God's way is best. Number one, God's never too early. We expect him to work on our timetable, as I mentioned earlier. We, we want God to do something and do it now. We see something take place, and we say, well, if God would do this, that would straighten it out. If God would just squish that guy, if God would just put, put that thing in control, Bob, well, we let me be God for a day. And Uncle Pius, I mean, you may have thought that from time to time. Well, if I was in control for a day, and you know, if I was in leadership for a day, boy, I'd take care of that thing. Well, we might mess it up. But God's never early. Neither is he late. We think sometimes of God's not uh, interested. He's being indifferent. He's never late. But not only is he not early and not only is he never late, he's never in error of his judgment. His judgment's right on. It's just. It's equitable. It's even every time. He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't care if you're a king or a pomper. When we go against the law of the Lord, he's just in his, in his judgment. And so... He's never too early or too late, and he's never in error. But he also is shown something else in this text. He's shown the power and the might and the wickedness of the Chaldeans. They're going to use as an instrument to bring about justice to, to Jerusalem and justice, justice to Judea. He says in chapter 1, verse number 7, of the Chaldeans that God's going to use as a judgment. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. You've heard somebody say, when they meet somebody, uh, your reputation precedes you. Well, this is where that comes from. Their reputation precedes them. And their reputation is they are terrible and dreadful people. It says in verse 8, their horses are, are also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves. They're going to be everywhere. And the horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. There'll be no Overcoming, in fact, they'll be overwhelming when this force comes in to judge Israel and Judea. He says in verse 9, They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup as the east wind. They shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the kings, all leadership. They'll scoff at it. And the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold. They shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change and he shall pass over and offend, imputing his power unto his God, little g God. So this nation is coming in in great fierceness, 
in great volume, in great speed, and is going to overwhelm God's people in judgment. What a sad thing to take, have to take place. It comes in for this reason, verse number 12, in the last part of the verse. Here's why God is using them. It says that uh, it has established them for correction. He's using these people to correct his people. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Using a wicked people to correct his people. But it doesn't mean that the wicked people are getting off because we know they're in, according to the book of Revelation. We know what's going to happen to them. But God it does use them sometimes. We've seen this historically. We've seen not only here historically, but other cases historically in our generations where God has used an inferior, wicked nation to gain victory over a more powerful, more righteous nation. And so we need to be conscious of this the whole time. So it doesn't matter whether it's a nation or a church or a family or an individual, there's, there's a public announcement that's being made. Not only does Habakkuk, as the prophet, as the seer, can see into the future and understand what God has, and only is God speaking to him directly, but God asked him to make a pronouncement to all the people so they'll know what's getting ready to happen. Look in chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower, so everybody can see, and will watch to see what he will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision that he's already shown him. Write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an, an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. A couple of interesting points about this, verse 2. The Lord is asking to make a, put these, this, this instruction, this vision of what's going to take place on tablets and to make it plain. Make it plain. When they put something on tablets, it was engraved in stone and put on a high place where men, according to verse, uh, verse number two there, as they ran by, they could read it. This is not fine print. You didn't have to get out your bifocals like I do and read the fine print. As they ran by, they could read it. So everyone could read and can have knowledge of the judgment to come. And this vision was for an appointed time. Now it's getting prophetic too, but we're not going into that tonight. But he says, at the end, it shall speak. And this announcement shall speak. This announcement shall not lie. And though it tarry to be a while for it comes around, he shall wait for it, because it will surely come and it will not tarry. In other words, when it's time, it's time. When it's time, it's time. Well, we too, we too have, a, have, have some tables that have been written. We too have some warnings that, that need to be read. And it's called the Bible. And in this blessed book, we have instruction in righteousness. We have knowledge of future judgments of what's going to take place. And we have knowledge how to behave ourselves as Christians. Amen, Brother Martin. Yeah. And so we have this instruction book, this map to guide us through life, if you will, this compass, if you will. And so we have this, and it's been written. And it's been written for us to see it and to understand it. And so it's not been hidden from us. There's no excuse for ignorance of the law. There's no excuse for ignorance of the law of the land. I didn't know the speed limit was 55 officer, really. I, I I didn't know it was 45 going through Purdy. I thought it was 65. <laughs> that little guy's sneaky over there, ain't he? He hides out in some really inconspicuous places. But, uh, in fact, I was coming out of the water, go coming this way. I set my cruise on 45 going through there because I don't trust him. I don't trust myself. I just set the cruise on 45. And we got through and went through it. My wife says, you know, turn back to 60 again. Oh, yeah. And I looked at my mirrors. Three cars backed up. 
so I took it up to 60 again. And, uh, but anyway, uh, it has nothing to do with this, except I thought it was kind of neat to mention. Yeah. But we know what the law is. There's no excuse for it. If I'd, if I'd have gone 60 through the employer, golly gee whiz, Mr. Officer Person, I didn't know it was 45. <laughs> Can you read? Uh, yes, sir. Then there's a black and white sign back there that says speed limit 45. There's no excuse for ignorance of the law. And there's, no, there's, there's no excuse for ignorance of the law of God, God's word. We can't say, I didn't know that's what the Bible said. Well, you have one. Amen. We can read it. We can study it. We can hide it in our hearts so we don't sin against God. You have a pastor that can teach it to you and preach it to you. You have teachers doing the same. And, and so it's just an interesting thing that we can know as much about the Bible as we want to. We can know as much about God as we want to. And so there's no need for this ignorance. And so as we might be impressed by these tablets being written in stone, so even men that run by can read it. We have the law of God in written form that we can read it. And no matter how fast you run through life, if you slow down, you can read this too. So there's a public announcement that has been made. Now the answer to this burden is quite simple, but it takes a little bit of effort to do it. In chapter 2, verse number 4, he tells us the answer to all this. He says, Behold, the soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Y'all don't underline that tonight. The just shall live by faith. Now, you've heard that before. But this is the law first mentioned in the scripture of the statement, and Habakkuk is making it, that the just shall live by faith. So Habakkuk, while you see the vision, and while you may not agree with the means that God's bringing judgment, and while you might not agree with the time frame and you think the Lord is tarrying, and not, might not agree with the amount of judgment or whatever the case might be, and you, don't, and you may think God's indifferent, I want you to do something between now and Habakkuk. I want you to live by faith. I want you to trust me. Habakkuk, you can trust me. Israel, you can trust me. Excuse me, United States, you can trust me. Excuse me, church, you can trust him. Excuse me, family, you can trust him. So no matter, no matter what goes on, or no matter how it seems that God's indifferent to what's going on in your life, or, or you think that God should move in a different way, in a different time frame, to a different degree, why don't you just back off and trust him instead of yourself? When we begin to say, well, here's why I think it should be done, you need to be careful. <laughs> you need to be careful because without being offensive, we're not him. And his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And quite frankly, that's something to really be thankful for. I'm glad my ways aren't his. I'm glad my thoughts aren't his. In fact, I'll tell you something. I'll be 74 this year, 75. Or and, you know, he's never asked me, what do you think, Richard? Tell me, son, what do you think about this situation? We've got this problem here. Uh, well, I'd like to seek your counsel. He's never done that. Because his ways are not mine. His thoughts are not mine. In fact, they're far above mine. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows everything. Now, my wife says I know everything, and she must be, she's never lied, so it must be true. But that's a different, that's a different subject. Anyway, we'll do that at a, at a couple's retreat or something. Anyway, so he says this in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. If you go over to the New Testament, we have some New Testament writers that say the same thing. They're quoting Habakkuk's statement. Paul says to the Romans in chapter 1, verse 17, that the just shall live by faith. Paul tells the church at Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, that the just shall live by faith. The writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 10, verse 38, that the just shall live by faith. Well, it isn't long. I mean, I'm slow, but it isn't long after four times I get the impression that 
Maybe the just shall live by faith. <laughs> Trusting him. Not leading unto my own understanding. Now, I might think it should go this way, but that's not trusting him. I might think his judgment should be less or more, but that's not trusting him. Let me give you some, some thoughts and out of scripture of how to live by faith. It says the just, that you, if you're born again Christian, you're, you're the just, shall live by faith. How shall we do this? Let me give you five thoughts tonight. Number one, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 says, Obey God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Let's just keep it simple tonight. Trust him. Obey him. Do what he asks you to do. And he'll take care of the rest of it. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Isn't there more to it? The Bible says that's the whole duty, to fear God and to keep his commandments. If we can fear him and keep his commandments, then that's a blessing, amen? And this is the whole duty, and God will take care of the rest. When's the last time you just feared God and you just trusted him and you just kept his commandments? What the old preacher say, though the stars may fall, just do right. And just do right no matter what takes place. Obey God. And if it's right to come to church, it's right to come to church. If it's right to be kind, then be kind to one another. If, if it's right to do these things and read your scriptures and be in prayer and witness to folks, then do that because it's right. And that's obeying God. This is some things he'd have us to do. And so by fearing God and keeping his, his commandments, this is the whole duty of man. And then you can relax because you're trusting him instead of yourself. Isaiah says this in chapter 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. But it's, it's, it's time to mount up, amen? It's time to, 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 to mount up with wings as eagles and to run and not grow weary and to walk and not faint. And we can only do those things if we're trusting him. But when we look at the circumstances around us, we become like Peter of old. Yeah. Remember, he looked around at the storm that night because the wind was boisterous and it began to sink. You take your eyes off Jesus, you're going to sink. And so he's telling us to wait upon the Lord, to serve him, to be patient with him, and let him work out his course of things. There's a reason... Listen, there's a reason he's called Lord, because he's in charge of things. He'll be Lord of our lives, Lord of our schedules, Lord of our minds, Lord of our, our careers, Lord of our families. He, Jesus Christ is Lord, and when he is, we're not Lord. And so we want him to be Lord. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Boy, we quote that. We write that on cards for people sometimes that are sick or trying to encourage them. Just trust the Lord with all your heart and, and don't lean on to your own understanding. This is what God is telling Habakkuk to do. To trust the Lord and don't lean on to your own understanding, Habakkuk. Don't worry about my judgment against Israel. Don't worry about my judgment against Judah. Don't worry that I'm going to use the Chaldeans, a wicked nation, to judge them. Don't worry about what I'm going to do with the Chaldeans when it's over. You just live by faith. You just trust me. You just keep your eyes on me and let me take care of this business. Romans tells us in chapter 10, verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How do I develop my faith? By hearing the word of God, by studying the word of God, by hearing it taught, by hearing it preached, by memorizing it. But so we go from faith to faith to faith. Hey, every day with Jesus, I'll be sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, I trust him more and more. And so we should... Live by faith. We should trust him. We should get into his word 
And it's by reading his word and understanding his word that our faith increases. Our faith increases. Listen, our faith will be increased tonight just by looking at Habakkuk for a few minutes. So, you know, here's a man that was a seer. He was a prophet. He could see into the future. He knew what was going to transpire and take place. And yet he was crying out, God, how long? When are you going to do something? <laughs> and God tells him, why don't you just live by faith and leave this up to me? I'll take care of the Chaldeans. I'll take care of my people. But, but Habakkuk, you live by faith. And I appreciate you bearing the burden of the people. And we should bear burdens. But we need to yoke up with him and not just carry it ourselves. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can look all through the scriptures and see men and women of God that have lived by faith. And his faith has been increased. And you, you, your faith increases by reading about that in the word of God. We can go to that great faith chapter, Hebrews 11. And we see a whole list of people that have gone on before us who live by faith. And, and how God, what God did in their lives. That, that should increase our faith. Why? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're also told, told, uh, told here in Habakkuk chapter number 2 and verse number 20, that the, but the Lord is in his holy temple, that all the earth keeps silence before him. <laughs> this is a confirmation that God's still where he's always been. He's in his holy temple. He's ruling and reigning from the heavens on high. And sometimes it's good just to be silent before him. Oh, Habakkuk, had you just been silent before him. Habakkuk, if you just not cried out, Lord, how long? Habakkuk, just keep silent before him and do what you're supposed to do. Sometimes we get in situations in life where we go through something where we're faced with a burden. Sometimes I think it's best just to get alone and just be silent before him. Not necessarily trying to figure it all out. Just sit and, and listen to him and spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in Bible reading, Bible study, making notes, asking God, to, I'm not trying to read through the Bible as fast as I can and take a speed reading course. I'm just trying to uh, find some people in the Bible who have gone through something like myself and see how they responded, being still before God. I don't know. I don't know you folks. But I'd venture to say that if we took all our troubles tonight and put them together, it might not match up to what Job went through. In a day's time frame, he lost all of his family, except his wife. Lost all of his income, lost all of his livestock. He lost all the houses and everything. He lost his health. He lost the confidence of his three best friends. He lost the confidence of his wife, who actually told him to curse God and die. His friends told him the reason you're going through this is sin in your life, Job. But it wasn't sin. It's so God could be honored and glorified, if you will. And yet, I don't know if anybody's lost their whole family in one day and are living in one day in their house their health in one day and their families respect in one day and their friends respect in one day. But even if you, if you match up a Job and you're comparing yourself with yourselves, I know all of us have, together collectively haven't gone through what Jesus went through. Despised and rejected men, a man of sorrows and coin grief, came to, unto his own, his own received him not. A man who when he was crucified on Calvary after going from magistrate to magistrate and finally they say, crucify him, crucify him. There's hanging on Calvary and Earth didn't want him, was ready to get rid of him, and heaven wasn't ready to receive him, yet he was suspended between heaven and hell, and God cannot look upon him because he cannot look upon sin. So he cries out to, to God, the Father in heaven, well, why hast thou forsaken me? And then it's like the crowd was crying out, Once you, if, you, if thou be God, come down 
and save thyself and save us too. Well, it's almost like his presence on the cross shouted back clearly through the annals of history and said, you just give me three days and I'll show it's more glorious to come up out of a grave than it is to come down from a cross. Listen, living by faith, living by faith, living by faith. <laughs> Can you do that? Have you done that? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, isn't it interesting how we trust, if you're saved tonight, how you trust Christ for the most valuable asset you have, which is your soul? That we spend eternity somewhere and you've trusted him with your soul one day. Remember, you look back in, in your life and you see that day, that place, that time, that person that led you to Christ. And you gave him your soul for all eternity. And you trust him with that. But daily living, we have trouble with it. You know, that's, that's cattywampus. That's backwards. <laughs> I mean, I'll be easier to trust him with our daily bread than to trust him with our soul. I'll be easier to trust him with our problems in life than with our soul. I mean, I'll be easier to, uh, to trust him with raising our family. I mean, we trust him with, with the most valuable thing, a treasure in earthen vessels, Paul tells us in, in the church at, at Corinth. But our daily walk is something we wrestle with all the time. Well, you might be in good company. Remember the Apostle Paul, what he said in Romans chapter 7, that which I do not, I do, and that which I would not do, that I do. And it's, he's a mess. You ever been a mess like that? <laughs> huh? but, but here's a Christian. So he find, decides he's going to do this. He's just going to do right. He's just going to live by faith. What a blessing it is, living by faith. Remember this. Silence is not indifference when it comes to God. And it may look like he's not doing a thing. But he's still on his throne. And he's still ruling and reigning from on high. We can read the news. We can see all these things. We can look at families. We can look at situations. And we can say, man, it's a mess. Got to say tonight, let God deal with that. He knows what he's doing. Do your part. Live by faith. But there's times when God's going to judge and he's going to do it in his own time frame. Read the rest of the Bible. He'll do it in his time frame. He'll do it in his way. And he'll do it in a way that's thorough. He'll be complete and he will not be in error. He'll be just in his judgments. And boy, I'm looking forward to that day. Amen. But between, between now and then, hey, Christian, live by faith. Which brings me to the last thought. You can't live by faith until you've been saved by faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, still in the Bible. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're not saved by works of righteousness, which we have done. No. Jesus tells us in Mark 1, 15, to repent you and to believe the gospel. And the gospel is clearly defined in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first four verses is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. So when Jesus says in Mark 1, 15, to repent and believe the gospel, and he's the gospel. He said, repent of your sins and believe in me. Trust me. Receive me. How? By faith. <laughs> For by grace are you saved through faith. If you're here tonight, if you never trusted him as your savior, you can't live by faith. You have to get saved first by faith, and then you live by faith. Don't get it backwards. Don't try to live like a Christian if you're not one. Don't try to justify your life by your own actions and your own methodology and what you think is right or wrong, trust him. You can trust him. Nobody else can save you. Nobody else can deliver you. <laughs> trust him. And always remember verse number 20 in chapter 2, 
but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. All the earth. You think we might be part of all the earth tonight? Just be silenced before him. Just pause. Let God speak to our hearts tonight. Let him speak. Let him do a work. Acknowledge that he's still in his holy temple. What a blessing that is. Can you visualize that tonight? The God of heaven wants to speak to your heart tonight. Let's stand for prayer if you would please. Our Father in Christ's name, I pray you might take this simple message tonight from Habakkuk and you might...